It's Monday, February 25th, 2019. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, this is our weekly Monday Bible study and call to prayer. Today, we're continuing our study on the book of Acts, and we will be looking specifically at Acts chapter 10, verses 34 through 48. So this is what the word of the Lord says, Jesus exalted among the Gentiles. Acts 10, starting in verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, Anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear. Now to all people, but to us who have been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and of the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain some days. You see, Peter understands that the gospel is for all people. He is not just to preach the good news to his fellow man, to, to the Jews and his kinsmen, but to the nations. The good news is meant for the nations. Five chapters later, after, after Acts chapter 10, Paul and Barnabas would, would go to Jerusalem to defend the faith of the Gentiles. And it says, after they had much of debate, Peter stood up and said to them in Acts 15, verses 7 through 11, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. You see, beloved, the good news of the kingdom must be preached. It must be spread, and it must go forth. 
That is why Paul said to the church at Rome in Romans 1, verses 16 through 17, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it is the righteousness of God, is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the, righteousness, the righteous shall live by faith. Beloved, we cannot be ashamed of the gospel, and we cannot fall into the same trap today that Peter fell into in Acts 10, thinking the gospel of the kingdom is only for people of certain backgrounds, ethnicities, or nations. We, we cannot avoid taking the gospel into a Muslim context, assuming that they will never respond. We cannot take, refuse to take this gospel into nations like India that are perverse of, of many different uh, religions because we think they'll never hear. No, the gospel, the word of God says, is for every tribe, it's for every tongue, and it's for every nation, and it's for every people. And this is what we see in Revelation chapter 5, verses 8 through 10. When it says this, and when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Oh, so today I want us to see and I want us to know that the Lord shows no partiality. The Muslim who ordered the execution of his brother, who had become a believer in the Middle East, is not beyond the powerful work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells Nicodemus in John 3, 8, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So we have to know that the word will not return void when we exalt Jesus and preach the good news about his kingdom. Peter is faithful to preach the gospel to Cornelius and his household. He preaches the message with authority, and ultimately, he exalts Jesus among the Gentiles, and the Holy Spirit is poured out. Held in the simple message are nine truths about King Jesus that should undergird all of our gospel presentations to the nations. And so I want us to see today nine truths about King Jesus that make up this gospel message. Number one, Jesus brings peace. Acts 10 verse 36, it says, as for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ. Peter exalts Jesus as the one who brings peace to rebellious creation. The world is looking for peace and love. Creation looks consistently to the creation for that peace. Huh. People look to yoga, meditation, mountain springs, and the crashing waves of the beaches. Men or women are trying to empty themselves of stress through meditation. Oh, but beloved, peace can only be known through King Jesus. Peace comes by, by denying ourselves, picking up our cross, and following him. That's why we see in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
Oh, beloved, peace does not come through emptying ourselves through yoga or meditation, but only through the yoke of Christ. We get in the saddle to work with Christ, and this brings us peace. We must be preaching in our gospel presentation that there is peace in no other name but King Jesus. But the second truth about King Jesus that makes up this gospel message is number two, Jesus is Lord of all creation. Verse 36 ends in parentheses with he is Lord of all. Jesus is Lord of all. He's sovereignly in control. Every pursuit of peace is ultimately found in the absolute truth that Jesus is Lord. That's what we see when Paul says to the church at Colossae in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. He says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, you who were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Oh, beloved, Jesus is Lord of all. Not just Lord of the Jews, but Lord of the Gentiles, like Cornelius and his family. And not just Lord of the Gentiles, but Lord of lords and King of kings. That's why Revelation nineteen sixteen tells us, on his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus is the Lord of the universe and everything in it. He is Lord of all. We must preach that King Jesus is Lord. But the third truth about King Jesus that makes up the, a gospel message is Jesus was a man anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. We see in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went on doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. It's abundantly important that we proclaim the fact that Jesus, the Lord of all, was a man. That's why Peter identifies him as Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus had a hometown. He was known by friends and family there. He worked in the carpenter shop. The Lord of all had become a human like you and me, only without sin. In matters of love, God came himself as man. That's what we see later. Paul would say to the church at Colossae again in chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. Therefore, as you received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition and according to the elementary spirits of the world, not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells 
bodily, and you have been filled with him who is the head and the ruler of authority. Oh, beloved, Jesus was seen as a man, but he was dwelt. The fullness of deity dwelt him. The Lord of all humbled himself and became a servant and lived his life anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit. We must preach that Jesus was a man who was anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit. But that leads us to the fourth truth about King Jesus that makes up the gospel message. And that is that Jesus delivered people from sin and Satan. Acts 10, 38. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Hebrews 4.15 reminds us, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. You see, beloved, the power of sin was broken by the presence of God's joy in Jesus' life. The life of Christ was a display of the deliverance of Christ from the power of sin. The effects of sin, the effects of death. Jesus' miracles were a testimony not only to his deity, but to his ultimate mission to defeat the power of sin and Satan. We cannot preach an adequate gospel without the presence of deadly sin and the real adversary named Satan. <clears throat> That's why 1 Peter 5.8 reminds us, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Oh, we have an enemy. While modern American Christianity doesn't like to talk about spiritual warfare, the nations are enraged in this real battle for their souls and for their lives. And we must recognize that King Jesus has a power that no man has. That, and that is defeat sin and Satan. Oh, beloved, King Jesus delivered his people from Satan and from sin. And we must preach this gospel. And that brings us to the fifth truth about King Jesus that makes up the gospel message. And that is that Jesus was innocent, but yet crucified. Acts 10 39 says, and we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. Jesus was innocent and yet he died. There's only one possible explanation for this. God must have willed it and sin must have caused it. The king of life was crucified and was sacrificed. There is no way that he could have earned our standing before God. But instead, God exchanged his glory for our sin in order that his righteousness and his sinlessness before holy God may be placed upon us. <laughs> but while this sacrifice was once and for all, this was truly a once and for all sacrifice. Peter says at Pentecost in Acts 2, 23 through 24, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. So did God cause Jesus to be crucified? Did he sacrifice Jesus for our sins? Absolutely. Did our sin and our pride and our arrogance and our willful disobedience lead Jesus to the cross? And did we crucify him by our sinful hands? Absolutely. It is at Calvary that God's sovereignty and man's sin meet. And we must preach the gospel that Jesus was innocent and yet he was crucified and sacrificed on our behalf. 
And that leads us to the sixth truth about King Jesus that makes up the gospel message. Jesus conquered death once and for all. Acts 10, 40 through 41. But God raised him up on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us, who he had chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Luke tells us in, in Luke 24, 40, and when he had said this, he showed him his hands and his feet. The risen Christ showed his disciples his hands and his feet. Why? So that they would know that he didn't just, just come as a hologram. This was not just a defeating spiritual death. No, Jesus conquered death once and for all. Paul tells the church at Rome in Romans 6, 8 through 11. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised physically from the dead will never die again. Spiritual death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you almost you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We must preach that there is victory in Jesus because he conquered the plague of death once and for all. And that brings us to the seventh truth about King Jesus that makes up this gospel message. Jesus will judge the nations. Oh, Acts 10, verse 42, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. Oh, every one of us will stand before Jesus Christ as our judge. We won't bring our bank accounts, our list of good deeds, our smooth Christian veneer, or our accomplishments. When Jesus comes, we will be plain, sinful me and you. Huh. Jesus Christ as Lord of all will determine where we spend eternity. Man decided what Jesus decides in that moment. Today, you will decide what Jesus will decide in that moment. It's all dependent on what we decide now. We will either choose to follow Christ and hide our life in him and be found innocent at judgment day, or we will be judged and condemned for all eternity because we did not recognize and did not follow Jesus today. May what Paul told the church at Colossae be the sermon of our lives. We're in Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. Paul tells this church, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are of the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Oh, beloved, Jesus will judge the nations. But that brings us to the eighth truth about King Jesus that makes up our gospel message. Jesus is God's gift of forgiveness to all people. Hmm. Acts 10.43, to him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. It's through the precious matchless name of Jesus. Salvation comes through no other name. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess his name. If you believe in him and confess him, you will receive forgiveness of sins through the name and be declared innocent when you stand before him as judge. Oh, this is the essence of the gospel found in no other but Jesus Christ. Cornelius' household believed, and immediately the Holy Spirit fell upon those who believed. Peter was amazed as well as the other Jews who were with him. Then Peter follows through with baptizing Cornelius and his household into the family of God. 
And this baptism ushers in the ninth truth about King Jesus that makes up the gospel message. And that is this. Jesus commissions us to go and preach the gospel. Acts 10, 48. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, once Cornelius was baptized in the name of Jesus, he was also commissioned to go and to make disciples. Peter would remain a few more days instructing these new brothers and sisters to observe the teaching of Christ and sending them to go and make disciples. Beloved, we too are commissioned in the name of Christ to preach the gospel to all nations. May our lives, our lips, and our love be a constant testimony which exalts King Jesus and proclaims the gospel message. Oh, I love the Great Commission. Oh, isn't it sweet? And this is the essence of the gospel, that Jesus has commissioned us to go and preach the gospel. Matthew 28, 19-20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Well, this week, we are praying for the country of Uganda. We are praying specifically for the government, for God to reveal himself to the judges, to the probation office panel, and those who make decisions regarding orphan care, praying for the church in Uganda, for God to strengthen Ugandan families and grow more desire for the church to care for orphans. We're praying for sound doctrine and for the church to thrive. We're praying for pastors in Uganda, uh, for pastors that are in and around Busega and pastors who are all throughout Uganda. We're praying specifically for our church partners, King Jesus Church and Gaba Community Church. We're praying for Pastor Raphael Kajubi as he leads King Jesus Church. Uh, and we are praying for Pastor Peter uh, Kasiravu as he leads Gaba Community Church. We're praying for our orphanage partners, Loving Hearts Babies Home. We're praying for God's provision and protection in the homes that we work with. We're praying for the directors, the nannies, and the children, and specifically Miriam and Gerald and Matthew and, and Jethro. We're praying for birth families that poverty or special needs would not be the reason to abandon their children. Praying for Isaac, our attorney. We're praying for his health and his spiritual well-being, for discernment and stamina. And we pray for his family. Uganda requires a 10-month, 12-month uh, period of fostering residency before a family can apply for adoption. We're praying that our families are open to God's will and how God can grow them through the process. We're praying that God will sustain and protect them and give them wisdom and peace. We pray for Pastor Raphael of King Jesus Church and Busega Community for the school school for the deaf and the blind. We're praying for his wife, Alan, and for protection, for rest, and for good family time as a minister to the community. We're praying for the children at Busega Community School for the deaf and the blind and for the life skills school. We pray that the students, the staff, and the teachers will, will continue to grow in the Lord. We're praying for a recent news article that was done on Pastor Raphael and his wife, Alan, and, and asking them to explain what it's like to be a parent to four girls. Girls are looked upon, down upon in Uganda. But this news piece actually lifts up that these ladies have been made in the image of God. We pray that this, this news piece would be used to, to, to rally the church and to uh, change the opinion of young little girls. We're praying for financial provision for our projects, specifically the land purchase and land development at King Jesus Church and Busega Community School for the Deaf and the Blind. And we're praising God for how he is bringing more and more students to the school and he's continuing to increase the life skills school. We praise him that there are good teachers there and believers who have a passion for orphan care. Well, let's pray. 
God, I pray for my brother for, from another mother, uh, Pastor uh, Raphael Kajubi, and for his wife, Alan. I pray that you give them wisdom. pray that you give them stamina. pray that you give them determination. pray that you give them the provision they need to be able to care for their community, Busega. I pray that you would give them grace as they lead King Jesus Church. I pray that you would bring many Muslims to saving faith because of the school and because of the church and the ministry of the gospel. Lord, even as we have looked at Acts chapter 10 and this gospel proclamation that Peter makes the household of Cornelius, I pray that you would give the same boldness. I pray that you'd give the same message to my brother, Pastor uh, Kajubi, as he makes the gospel known to Muslims in and around Busega. Lord, I pray for the students at the school that you would come around them, that you would sustain them, that you would help them, that you would grow them in faith. And Lord, I pray that you'd be the country of Uganda, that you would help her churches to preach sound doctrine. I pray that you'd help her churches to practice gospel-driven justice. And I pray that you would help Uganda to become sufficient to care for the orphans in their walls and, and in their country. Lord, we love this country, and we know you do too. And we ask that you would move in the country of Uganda, the Pearl of Africa, and you would move in such a way that you would claim this land for your gospel and for your glory. And it's in your great name that we pray, the name of King Jesus. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.